This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. I've been praying about direction, and uh, Matt Fowler and I have been working on a kind of sermon calendar because his class on Wednesdays kind of expounds on what the sermon was the week before. So I've been trying to give him advance on what I'm going to be speaking on. And as I was praying, kind of doing all of this, God, God redirected my thoughts to um, a sermon that I touched on about a year and a year and a half ago, a little under a year, year and a half ago. And it was a one week kind of message, but I kind of wanted to take five weeks and kind of expound on it and talk about the concept of dangerous prayers. And they're prayers that if you pray, God's, God will wreck your life and he'll do something in you that you didn't think was possible. There's a book out on this topic now. It just hit the shelves. It's great. A material if you or at the store and you see a book called Dangerous Prayers, pick it up because it's absolutely amazing. But this prayer today that I wanted to share with you, we're going to pray in a minute and kind of dive into this message. But here's the prayer that this message I kind of want to start off with to, 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 to today. It says, and God, as hard as this is for me, I'm asking for you to search me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test my motives. Reveal to me my anxious thoughts. Show me Anything in my life that is harmful, is hurtful to you. God, I want to see in me what you see in me. Isn't that such a prayer that sometimes we, 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 we pray and sometimes we mean it, sometimes maybe not because it's just the right thing to say in you. But I'm sincere today when I say, God, let me see in me what you see in me. Because there's times where I feel like I've failed. And there's times where I feel like I've messed up. And there's times where I don't feel... Like I deserve to be here. But God, I just pray, I want to see in me what you see in me. I want to know what you see in me so that I can become more like you. Because there's nothing else in this world outside of loving Jesus that I want for myself to be like him. So I want to pray today, God, search me. Test my motives, know my heart, reveal my anxious thoughts, show me anything in here that's not right. God, I want to see in me what you see in me so I can become like you. And I'm very excited to kind of dive into this message today. And the real reason why, it's because when I first heard this type of message, when I first heard somebody preach on this topic, for me it was an anchor message. It was one that I always go back to. It's one that I remember, and I, I remember everything about it because I remember when I heard it, it really changed me. It molded me to be closer to God, and so I hope that it's that way for you today. Would you help me pray today because I want to be transparent, and I want to be open, and I want to let the leading of the Holy Spirit guide us today. Please pray with me. God, I thank you for this time of worship that we've had this morning. God, I ask you to be in this place. Lord, I pray that you would touch this word, God, Lord, that you would bless this word, anoint this word. God, I pray that it would uh, touch somebody else today, that it would help to transform them, God, Lord, that it would help to move in them to become closer like you. Jesus, that's all I want to be. 
But God, there's nobody else here that knows like you do that I don't deserve to be here. Lord God, but your grace has saved me more times than I can remember. And God, I'm asking you again today to cleanse my heart, to purify my mind so I can preach the word like you want me to. God, I pray that you would be my mouth as I speak. I pray for this church that you would open up our eyes to see, our mind to know, our ears to hear the truth of your word today. God, I don't want people to hear me, but I want them to hear you speaking through your servant. God, I just ask you to be here. I ask you to be here, God. Lord, we're standing on holy ground today. And I don't want to disappoint you. So God, help me deliver this word. And it's in your name I pray, amen. And amen. If you look in your Bible to Psalm chapter 139, we're going to be looking at a prayer that David prayed. It's the first of three prayers that we're going to look at today. There's three different prayers that I want to kind of touch on. And the first one is for God to search me. Psalm chapter 139. David prayed this prayer that we're about to read after his enemies and God's enemies were on the attack. Accusing David of having wrong motives. David a man after God's own heart, right? I mean, he, that's what the Bible said. He was a man after God's own heart. But even that man made some wrong choices. A man after God's own heart. You know what that tells me? That we're not perfect. That nobody expected us to be perfect. Should we strive to be like him? Absolutely. Just because God gives us grace does not mean we have a card to sin whenever we want to. We still have to attempt to live right. But in those moments where we mess up in our flesh. David, a man after God's own heart, made wrong choices. Even sent somebody out to the front lines of battle to die. Because he was afraid to tell him that your wife cheated on you. So this is, but, but even after all of this, David having a heart change, he prayed. So these people are accusing David of wrong motives. And instead of saying, no, 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 you got this all wrong. Instead of trying to defend himself, because that's what most people would do, and most people would have a right to do, he realized that arguing the case wasn't going to get anywhere. Because don't we know that sometimes arguing with somebody is not going to make your point more clear. It's going to cause the divide even longer. So there's arguing the fact, even when I know that I'm right, isn't always the best thing to do. So David didn't want to argue, so what did he do? He introduced us to a prayer that he prayed. In Psalm chapter 139, starting in verse 23, he says, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. I want to break that prayer down for just a minute because this is a dangerous prayer. And it's one that if we will arm and equip in our life, it can change who we are at the very being. And we can begin to be who God called us to be. The first thing I want you to know about this prayer is that David prays, search my heart. He gave God open permission to do open heart surgery upon him. He said, open me up. I want you to go through every little thing that my friends know about. I even want you to go through every little thing that nobody else knows about but me and you. And I want you to look in there. I want you to open it up. And I want you to change whatever you want me to change. Search me, God. Now, why would we ask God to search us if we know that he already knows it? 
Because don't we know throughout the Bible that he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, okay? He is everywhere at all times. He is all-powerful. And what else? He is, he knows everything. There's nothing that you and I can hide from God. So he already knows everything about you. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows what you did last night. He knows everything. So why would we open up this prayer and say, God, search me? Because we have to realize that the Bible tells us that the human heart is not a good heart by itself. We need the leading of the Holy Spirit to help us to change our heart. Jeremiah chapter 17 says this. The human heart is what? It says deceitful. Let's not mince words here. The Bible's clear. The heart is deceitful above all things. And what's it say? Beyond cure. Which means I cannot save my heart by myself. I cannot do it on my own. Who can understand it? Okay, so I, you might tell yourself, well, I don't have a really bad heart. I'm a good person. You know, I, I don't do anything wrong. I don't, I, I don't lie. We tell ourselves all the time, I don't do this and I don't do that. The biggest lie I think we ever make is when we see a plate of cupcakes and we say we're only going to eat one. There's no way you're just going to eat one. Okay, there's no way you can eat just one cupcake. You always go for two. And then when your wife's not looking, you reach for three. Okay, you always eat the cupcakes. But my point is saying is that we tell ourselves that there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just fine the way that I am. I don't stress out about anything. I don't have a lust problem. I don't have a greed problem. I don't, I don't do any of these things that the Bible might say is, is, is wrong. I, I'm not, I, I, I don't need real nice things. I'm not a, a gossip. I never gossip. I just like telling people things so they can help me pray. We, we, we lie about these things, and it's not a lie that, that you know, we, we think we do all the time, but we need to realize that my heart is deceitful above all things, and we need a dangerous prayer when we go before God and say, God, search my heart. Show me what's inside of me that's not supposed to be there. Open me up. Lay me out on the table. What is really in there? Search me, God. In fact, I can remember the first time that I was exposed to this type of openness. And I was at Lee University in one of the choirs. I was in a dating relationship. And, and we were on the middle of the tour and she decides to break up with me and calls me into a room and says, I don't love you anymore. And I, we were halfway through the tour. We were in Virginia, I think, at a church. And we were singing at one of the churches there, and we were about to head back to Cleveland and go to, I think, over here onto the, the western part of the United States. And I got back to Lee, and I went to the director. I, I said, I said, Doc, I'm hurting. Um, I, I can't. I'm not going to be any good for you the rest of this trip. I, I'm here in Cleveland. I got my car. My parents live a couple hours away. It's 2 o'clock in the, the morning. We, we get back. I say, I've got to go home. I'll get some good night's rest and I'll leave in the morning. So I get in the car and I go to the apartment where I was at and, and it, it hit me. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I'm hurting so bad. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, I hop in my car and I drive six hours south. And I get to my home about 8 o'clock into the morning with a couple naps in between the way because I wasn't going to be able to do it the whole time. I was sleeping. I was tired. But I was hurting. And did you know that when you're hurting inside, you tend to do things that you later look back on and say, why did I do that? 
And I was hurting so bad on the inside, and I got back to Loxley, Alabama. That's where Dad pastored. And I got home, and they were waking up. They didn't know that I was coming home. They woke up, and I walked in, and I said, I'm sorry, guys, but I'm going to bed. We'll talk when I wake up. So for years went by, and I, I realized that I was hurting deeper inside than what I wanted to let on, than what I wanted to admit. Somebody just wrecked my world and, and hurt me again. And I realized through all of that, that that I began to develop an issue of trust. And I didn't trust people because I was afraid to give people my heart because I was afraid they would turn around and just hurt me again. And so I developed a lack of trust and, and, I, and I wanted God to use me so bad because I knew the call of God in my life. That's why that I was at Lee. That's why I joined the choirs. That's why I did all these things. And I sat back and I said, God, search me because you got to get rid of this feeling that I have. I hate it. I can't stand it. What do I got to do to feel right again? He said, you need to forgive. You sure? Right? Don't, don't we say that to God sometimes? Uh, you sure? Did you just say something else and I just missed it, right? No. He said, have you forgiven them? So I prayed this prayer, search my heart, God, because when you do that, God's going to show you things in, in your heart that isn't supposed to be there, not to be cruel to you, but to bring you into a deeper, intimate relationship with him so that he can allow the Holy Spirit to transform you the way that he needs to. When you sit down and say, God, search my heart. I want to be intimate, God, with you. And then what he does, the next part of this prayer, he said, search my heart. And then number two, he said, reveal my fears. Well, once again, you know, God already knows everything. So why do I have to pray for God to reveal my fears? Because we have to admit it to ourselves that I have issues with trust. We have to admit it to ourselves that I have a problem with this. So reveal my fears. He says in verse number 23, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. What is it that makes you anxious? What is it that makes you anxious? Know my anxious thoughts. See, a lot of times we don't even acknowledge them. We just think, well, everybody worries about this. What, what is it that makes you afraid? And, and I'm not talking about snakes and spiders. And spiders are the worst thing on God-given earth. I don't know why God created them. They're awful. But I'm not talking about things like that. I'm talking about money. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to pay the bills this month. I'm talking about my kids. God, I want to be the best dad that I can be. And sometimes I just don't think that I am. There's times where I'm, I'm afraid, am I being a good husband? Am, 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 am I doing everything that I should? God, am I being a good pastor? Am I doing the right things when I need to be doing them? Am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? I worry about these things and I'm anxious about these things. And God said that you have to reveal what, what you fear the most. Why? Because if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Because what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. And as I'm talking to God and I'm having this conversation with God, I realize that I don't trust him like I should. I don't trust him with my marriage. I don't trust him with my children. I don't trust him with my church because if I really did, would I be worrying about these things? Because God has already taken care of it, right? He's already gone before us. He's already fought the battle for us. So why do I wake up every morning and stress about it? Why do I doubt the power of God about it? Right? Well, we're flesh. We, I get it. We, we, we are human. 
But let me tell you something. When you get to the place in your relationship with God where you say, no, my anxious thoughts, I want to reveal them because here's what's going to happen. The enemy's going to hold it against you if you keep it private. But the minute that you release it, he had, he no longer has anything to hold against you anymore. So I'm going to get it out there. God, I need help. I need to be a better dad. I need to be a better husband. I need to be a better pastor. I need for you to open up doors in my life so I can provide for them the way that I need to. And once I let it out anymore, I don't have to be anxious about it because I know what the Bible said. And he said he's going to come through for me. He's going to come through for me. You see, if I'm scared to death that my plans aren't going to work out, then I'm not trusting God with those plans. We have to reveal to God what we're anxious about. Because when I release it, then he can take care of it. God, reveal my fears. Test me. Show me my anxious thoughts. I just prayed that prayer this week. And I reveal, I I prayed for God to to really just wreck me and, and to... To do something in me, to work in me, to do in me only what he can do. And I realize that, that it's, I, I've mentioned a lot of things today where you would think, well, he's afraid to fail. Well, he doesn't want to be a bad dad, a bad husband, a bad pastor. He doesn't want to do these things. And, and when I really get intimate with God, I realize that it's much deeper than that. It's not just that I, I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid of letting people down. And see, what happens is... When you get into an intimate relationship with God, you realize deep down there was a problem that you weren't willing to admit. And the problem that I found in myself, can I be transparent? Can I be open? Can I lay my heart right here and just let you see everything about me? Is that I fear of letting people down. I stand up here behind this pulpit and I make the the choices behind my desk and I sign checks and I do all this and I'm like, God, I want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to fail. I want to do good. I don't want to let my church down. I don't want to let my home down. I don't want to let my job down. I don't want to let you down, God. And then I begin to have this intimate relationship with him where he says to me over and over, don't worry. Don't worry about it. I've got it. Just trust me. My son, my son, do you not think that I've placed you here because I know that you can do it because I've got faith in you because I understand where you came from and I understand where, where, where you've been and I'm going to use those things to help you in your current season. You see, we forget that where we are today is a direct result of where God's brought us through. God, help us today. Search me. That's why it's a dangerous prayer because it opens up this intimate relationship with him. You see, this this is a real issue. We can't be driven by fear. We cannot be driven by fear. I have to be led by faith because what's the Bible say? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Often my fear will keep me from being obedient to his word. Because my first thought is, well, God, I heard you say it. I heard you tell me to do it. But what if people don't like it? Well, I didn't ask you that. I just told you to do it. Well, God, there's this great opportunity. And I know it's, I, I, I know it's what you called me to do. But I have doubts that it might not. Well, why? Why? Trust God. 
You see, when you pray this, God will reveal things about yourself that you may not have been willing to acknowledge for years because the most common lie we tell is often to ourselves. It's an issue for me. I'm fine. I'm okay. Nothing wrong. Not stressed out. I got enough sleep last night. No, I didn't. Be honest with God. Search my heart. Reveal my fears. And then we realize this. It's okay to not be okay. Can I say that to somebody this morning? It's okay to not be okay. Why? Because when we're not okay, that's when we realize we got to trust God. And God's never going to take us to a place where we can't trust him. If I can do everything myself, then why do I need him? So guess what? It's okay to not be okay. And when you reach that place, here's the problem that we make. When we're not okay, then we give up. Well, it's okay to not be okay, but when you're not okay, pray to God and let him help you. Search my heart. Reveal in me what is not right. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. You have to have the courage to pray this prayer. The next thing he says in this prayer is uncover my sins. Uncover them. That's what David prayed. I love the courage it takes. He said, God, is there any offensive way in me? God, is there anything in my life that is inconsistent with your word? Show me what I'm doing that is displeasing to you. You see, when you have the courage to pray that prayer, let me make you a promise. God's going to point some things out and some things you're not happy with. But he's going to say, if you truly want to be my disciple, and if you truly want to be who I called you to be, then I've got to reveal these things in you so that you can change them. See, don't deny the truth because denying the truth doesn't make the truth false. Get it out there so that the the enemy can't hold it against you anymore. And then David at the very end, what did he pray? He said, lead me. Because when you're in that place where he has searched you, when you're in that place where he has revealed to you your anxious thoughts, when he has uncovered your sin, now you're set, you're good to go. Now he can use you. Now he can lead you to the way of everlasting. This prayer is a dangerous prayer. That I want us to be comfortable praying. Because I want God to use us. And I want God to use me. The second prayer I want to talk about today is found in Mark chapter 14. And it's a prayer for God to break me. First, it's God search me. Next, God break me. We just listen to songs. It's amazing that when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, it seems like always the music and the the, the message just lines up perfectly. And I want to tell you this morning that we have to have this dangerous prayer and be willing to pray to God for Him to break me. When we're overwhelmed with pain, it's often hard for us to see the the intimacy that we'll gain with God after the storm passes through. We get so caught up with what's happening and we're so focused on the pain, we can't see past the debris. And I want to ask you this morning to pray the prayer for God to break you. For God to break you. And to look at this today, we're going to look at a really neat story within the Bible. The story deals about a woman who had nothing to give except her most valuable asset and what she did with it was amazing. Jesus' love so transformed this woman that she wanted to worship him in the most sacrificial way that she could. Her extravagant act of worship confused everybody else in the story. We're going to watch it. Mark chapter 14, verse 3, says this, and it's interesting to me. 
While Jesus was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman, and this is the woman that we know from Luke's gospel, the simple woman that comes in with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume. Now the first thing I want you to know whose home was Jesus sent? Simon the leper. Everyone else would run from them. Jesus went to them. Now before I go on, I want to explain this perfume. This perfume was so valuable that we find out later in this gospel that it was valued at a year's worth of wages. Just imagine what you make in a year. I want you to take all that money and put it in one item. And then I want you to take that item and I want you to go to Jesus and break it. That is essentially what she did. It was valued at a year's wages. The most expensive thing that she had. And she's, she's got this incredibly expensive perfume. And in the next part of the verse, what does it say that she did? What, what, what did she do with the jar? She broke it. She broke the jar. Then what does she do? She poured the perfume on Jesus' head. She broke and she poured. She broke and she poured. Because when God breaks you, he's going to fill you so you can pour out to somebody else. You need to hear that. When God breaks you, he fills you so you can pour. Because we can't give what we don't have. So God has to pour in us. She broke and she poured. Now some people, as we read the story, they got upset. They got mad. They said, don't do that. You see, this perfume cost more than what she was worth in a year. The act of worship was more extravagant than you could ever imagine. Essentially, this is what she said. I'm giving you my whole life. The most valuable possession that I have, God, is yours. Jesus, you have loved me so that I will break open the most valued possession and I'll break it and I'll pour it and I'll pour it all out in one selfless extravagant moment of worship. We have to understand that when we pray for God to search us, we have to be prepared for what we'll see. But when we pray for God to break us, we have to, we have to prepare ourselves for what we're going to do. Because God uses broken people. And when we reach that moment, when we reach that point, we understand that the only way God can get the most out of me is if I give the most I have to Him. And the next part of this story is so amazing because I now see that everyone's not going to understand the season that I'm in. And not everybody's going to understand what I've been through. Not everybody's going to understand my, my, uh, my, my, my um, brokenness. Not everybody's going to know that. You see, they see you and they don't quite understand when your breakthrough comes. And for this woman, this is how it happened. This says some of those present were saying to one another, what's it say? Why waste this perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages. And the money given to the poor. And what does the Bible say that they did? When they saw her brokenness. When they saw her reach the point in her life. Where she was willing to worship God with everything that she had. They rebuked her harshly. She had a moment of worship. 
a moment of intimacy with her Savior. And they rebuked her harshly. But listen to Jesus' response because it's so good. He said, leave her alone. Can you imagine the scene? Can I paint this picture? You've got a woman who just broke this expensive thing of perfume. She's kneeling at her feet and she pours it all over Jesus. And all these people around said, oh my gosh, I can't believe she did that. Why did she do that? And then Jesus stood just a quick breath. He said, wait a second, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done this beautiful thing to me. <laughs> Basically saying, you have no idea what she's been through. Don't judge the, break to, the, the, the breakthrough until you know what she's been through. Don't judge what she did based on the act that you see. That's what Jesus said. People saw this woman do something crazy, a, a, a gesture that was odd. But Jesus knew what it meant to her. Jesus knew what it meant. See, not everybody has to understand, and I'm okay with that. Not everybody I know and God knows, and that's all that matters. So what happens? She's done this beautiful thing to me. Verse number 7. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. <laughs> but you will not always have me. She did what she could. It was the best she had to offer. And what I'm trying to tell you today, if you want to see God do the miraculous inside your life, to live a life that's pleasing to Him, give Him the best thing that you have to offer. Give Him your best praise. Give Him your best worship. Give Him your best shout. Give Him your best tithe. Give Him the best that you have to offer because when you break down and say, God, I've got nothing else except you, then God's going to pour into you. And fill you up to the top, overflowing, so you can begin to pour into somebody else. But you're only going to get to that point when you're willing to say, God, take this most valuable thing that I have. And God, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. So she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Verse 9, truly I tell you. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. What people rebuked her for, God used to tell the rest of his story. You see, what people rebuke you for, my God, somebody's got to hear this. What people have rebuked you for, I can't believe she did that. I can't believe he did that. God's going to use to tell the rest of your story. <laughs> God's going to use it because what's the Bible say? There might be bad things that happen to you throughout this life. And it might be at the expense of some evil people. But no matter what happens, God will always use for what? His good. Come on. Search me. Break me. And then the third prayer I want us to pray today is for God to use me. Let me tell you, when we pray this prayer, God could direct you in a lot of different ways. 
He may lead you to go to a different group of friends. He may reveal a calling in your life that you never ever expected before. He may lead you to a church to use your gifts and to lead you to a place where you belong. He may he may develop passions for outreach. He may lead you to stay somewhere when you just knew you were supposed to go somewhere else. He might lead you to a different job. He might call you to serve. I don't know what it would be, but when you make yourself open to be used by God, He'll use you. And it's a dangerous prayer that we pray because I see three different responses throughout the word of people that said the same thing. And if you go to Jonah chapter 1, there was somebody here who said that he wanted to be used of God. And if you'll go to um, verse 1 right up here on the screen, here's what it says. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. And what's it say in verse 2? Go to the nearest great city of Nineveh. Preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So essentially, you have somebody that wanted to be used of God, but Jonah ran away. So the first response here is that we can have is say, God, use me, but I don't want to do it. And too many times I see that mindset. I see people say, oh, I want to be used by God, but I, and I, I just feel like I'm supposed to reach out to that person. I'm an, I know God's put it in to invite them to church. Maybe if you see that person sitting in the corner of the restaurant and, he's, and he has directed you to pay for their meal, and you say, God, I want an opportunity to be used, but then when the opportunity comes, you say, I'm just going to run away. The next response you see is in Exodus chapter 3 and Moses. And Moses, essentially what he said is, here I am, God, but send somebody else. Because watch this. In Exodus chapter 3, verse number 10, it says, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I'm sending you. You wanted to be used? Okay, fine. I'm going to use you. I'm going to send you. Now watch what it says. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go? Who am I that I should go? And then it goes on to verse 3. It says, do we have it up there? Maybe, maybe not. He says, well, you know, it essentially says, well, here's Aaron. You know, he can do it for me, right? Here I am, God, but send somebody else. And oh, I've, I know I've got the gift to sing. I know I've got the gift to play an instrument. I know I've got the ability to, to do this, but I'm just going to let them do it. I'm going to sit back here and I'm just going to enjoy, right? We do that from time to time. We say, God, use me, but I don't want to go. Or God, use me, but send somebody else. But then the third response, and this is where I hope that we are today, is in Isaiah where it says, here I am, God, send me, watch. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, God, send me. Here I am, God, send me. I have prayed that prayer before. I've shared this story. I'm going to share it again because it's my story. And it means something to me. It's a powerful story. And it's not because of who I am, but it's because of who he is in me in youth group, Loxley, the same place. I had a friend played sports with me in high school. He was addicted to drugs. He was addicted to pills. I knew he had a calling of God on his life. God directed me to fast. 
I said, here I am. God, use me. Use me. Use me. Use me. I, I love this guy so much. I don't want to see him hurting anymore. I don't want to see him in pain. What do, what do you want me to do, God? He said, fast. Well, I'm, I'm a, a big boy, and I love food. And I went seven days, no food, nothing, just water. Because I wanted to see him come back to Jesus. Well, day one was okay. I can last without food for a day. But day two and three were torture. Four, five, and six. And I just knew day seven was coming. Wednesday night, day seven. I'm telling you, I'm going to show up. I'm going to get there before everybody else gets there. I'm going to say my little prayer. And when church starts, I'm going to watch him walk in the door. Because I know God's word is true. Well, I got there early. I was on the praise team, so I sang on the praise team, played, played to the congas because I love playing playing the congas. My brother played the drums, and I wanted him to play, so I played, played you know, those. As I got up there. I played, and I sang, and I looked out. We had light shine on the stage. It was hard to see out, but I was piercing through just like this. And I looked out there, and I didn't see him anywhere. I began to get angry inside God, I did what you told me to do. Where's he at? Praise and worship was over. I couldn't sit down in my seat, so I went back to the back. I went out of the um, building, walked around outside, and I began to pace. And I said, God, I, I prayed for seven days. I didn't eat for seven days, sacrifice the thing that I love the most. And I'm, I, I just knew he was going to be here today. I walked in. The sermon was preached. He still wasn't there. It came time for altar call. The youth pastor called everybody up to the front. I didn't go. I was upset and I was angry. And Miss Marilyn, I went to the back and I just knelt down. And I said, God, I'm frustrated. He said, but why are you frustrated? I didn't do this for you. I did this for him. Now you need to get your mindset right, and you need to give the glory to me and not you, because it wasn't you that did this. And I began to pour out. I said, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I made it about me. And about that minute, my leg began to buzz because my phone rang. And it was him. And he called me. He said, brother, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm on my way to church. Can, can, can you pray with me? I, I need God to save me. I need God to use me. And he came in late and church was over. But guess what? We stood back there in the back and we prayed. And we sought God. And he gave his life back to Christ. And today he pastors a church. Now, do I say that because of me? No, I say that because God used me because I was willing to be used. You see, when we pray the prayer for God to search me, we have to be okay with what God says and what he sees. And we have to be willing to make the necessary changes to change it. When we pray for God to break us, we have to be willing to be broken down because sometimes the only way God can use us is if we're at that place where we have to trust Him. And then we pray for God to use us. Here I am, God. Send me. Seth, if you could come play the guitar, just play something soft. I want to pray today because I want... 
somebody to understand that there's somebody out there that needed to hear this. You're going through something. You're going through some pain. You're, you're going through some, some trials. And you're at that place where you say, God, just search me. What am I doing wrong? You say, Pastor, I, I need to be broken. I know what it is. And I know there's something that's not right. And God, I just pray that he breaks me so that he can fill me up again. I'm tired of not experiencing his presence. I'm tired of coming to church and not feeling anything. I want to feel him again. I want to feel the presence of God again. I want to feel the spirit of God again. And you might be here today and you said, God, break me. Or you might be there and you say, Pastor, I just want to be used. God, just provide a door, provide an opportunity, provide something. Open up a door and then let me be like Isaiah when he said, who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Because no matter what it looks like, no matter what it smells like, no matter what it tastes like, no matter what. I'm going to do it because I love God that much. So with all eyes closed, all heads bowed, you say, Pastor, search me, break me, use me. Search me, break me, use me.